Welcome to episode 241 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I'm your host, Toby. Today is edition number 145 of Bubba and the Batflip. Bubba and I will take a look at starting pitchers 1 through 15 and then answer some listener questions. We will tackle um, some of the, I think, pitchers 16 through 30 and then uh, our late ra- some of our late-round targets uh, next week um, in part two or part deux of the starting pitcher preview. So um, hope you enjoy the podcast. Um, let's get this party started. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub and the Bat Flip, episode 145. We're going to start our starting pitching position previews for the 2023 fantasy baseball season with our part one going one through 1580p and then some late targets similar to the outfield previews we've done before. Can find myself on Twitter at BD Entrick and my co host is always on Twitter at Batflip Crazy Toby. How we doing, my friend? Um, we're doing pretty well, Bubba. You know, um, I'm I'm becoming a baker nice. in my uh, in my spare time. Yeah, I'm, I got a used bread maker, Ooh. and um, I've been I've been making some bread. So, nice. what kinds of breads? Um, well, I've got this honey, I don't know what it's called, but it's a bread that involves a lot of honey. Okay. Um, and it's got, it's got honey, got a little gluten-free flour. Nice. Um, it's excellent. Sounds good. Um, and then I put a lot of butter on it. Excellent. And that, that is how a baker does his work. Sounds perfect. I'm, I'm a fan. So maybe you can bring some to the barf draft in a month or so, whenever the heck it actually For happens. Sure. Yeah. I know. I was thinking about that. I was thinking I met, about that. I met, I Justin, messaged, if you're listening. I messaged where, him. Where, where I messaged him Sunday night. He has a rough idea of when he wants to do it. So Oh, he does? When, he it, when is it? I'm not going to say it on the air because I don't know if it'll actually happen. I can tell you off uh, the air. But okay, cool, um, cool. He, he said he has a rough date. He was supposed to email us last night or tonight. So we should be getting something shortly. But Okay, cool. Yeah. But yeah, that, that'll, that will be coming up uh, yeah, soon, soon enough. But uh, yeah, Nick Pollock is in the chat saying it's live. Yes, we are here, Nick. Little d- difficulties on the home front, but we are here. So uh, we'll, we're going to get in some starting pitching previews. Nothing like pitcher list can do. And congrats to PitchCon over $10,000 raised for ALS. Yeah. Pretty darn impressive. If you guys missed out on that, um, it'll be available on their YouTube feed, usually a couple weeks after it's all said and done. So highly recommend checking it out. I know Toby was on a panel. I was on a panel. Like there's a lot of better panels than me. There's a lot of great stuff out there. So I highly recommend checking it out. Some phenomenal, phenomenal stuff as always from the people at pitcherlist.com. Ooh, it's available tomorrow, Tuesday, Tuesday, January 31st. It's coming out on YouTube. That's like the quickest it's ever happened. So Nick just dropped that in the chat. It's coming. I, I would like to be on a panel about um, bakers who also play fantasy baseball. I'd be rate very interested. Your s'mores. Rate your s'mores. <laughs> that, that, that should be it. But uh, Nick is very excited because we are talking starting pitching, Toby. So this can be a ton of fun here. Um, I, I know you're kind of getting into your, your groove. And um, 
get, uh, going through like your your research, you're getting your your projections taken care of, your models, all that stuff. You're getting ready to eat it. You haven't started drafting yet, have you? I haven't started drafting you, yet. You, you said you were close last week, so you said it could be happening soon. Yeah. So um, you know, I'm really curious to see how you view these early pitchers because I've done uh, for gaining the edge, we're dropping our top 40 consensus picks. Sometimes the next few days, our curling feels better, but um, it's it's an interesting grouping. Like there's a lot of ways between projections, between models, between personal preferences, how you can kind of rank outside of like the top three or four. There's a lot of moving parts, which is really an interesting dynamic for the position this year. So that's kind of part of the question we start out with at every position. How are you attacking starting pitching in 2023? We know you're, you're, you know, people know you as the pocket aces guy. We also know that you can conform to kind of what goes like you still want early pitching, but it doesn't have to be rounds one and two per se. So like from your early research and whatnot, how are you going? Because um, you haven't drafted yet, but I'm sure you've heard through podcasts or chatter. There are not a lot of pitchers going early in drafts. Uh, as of, I took ADP from uh, the 8th to the 29th, which is 12 drafts. Shohei Otani's technically in the first round. Corbin Burns is pick 15.08, so he's a first Oof, rounder. But for the, mo- for the most part, there aren't any pitchers in the first round ADP-wise. And even through the first two rounds there's six total pitchers and only four of them are starting pitchers i tweeted it out last night seven of the top 20 pitchers are closers in the top 50 picks i saw that tweet we'll get into closer it stands out in a big way to me because it it to me people think yeah it shows start the closers go so early but what it meant to me was that just shows you how deep starting pitchers are going in drafts because that's a lot of pitchers still going past pick 50 that's what stood out to me so Enough of my rambling. How are you approaching the position this year? Because it's, it feels a lot different than years past, basically. Yeah, I think it may be different than years past. Um, we'll so. see. We'll see. I mean, I still think that, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I think there are, I think for me, I feel like there are a lot more ways to attack the position this year than maybe I felt previously. I do feel like there's a deeper set of pitchers that I feel pretty comfortable with. But I also think that I think the landscape is going to change pretty dramatically as we get into spring training and we get a little bit more of an idea of where where guys kind of are. I feel like there's some guys who are falling back where all it takes is an it one injury, you know, and all of a sudden there's a there's a little bit of a run or there's a little bit of a a push up. You know, there's a number of guys who I feel like people are just kind of waiting to make sure that they're healthy. You know, I think, um, I mean, Spencer Strider is already going pretty early, but I feel like pe- some people are waiting to see, you know, to make sure that he's recovered from the ailments that he had towards the end of last year. Zach Wheeler, you know, if he comes in and he's throwing hard, you know, I think he, um, you know, he moves up, but um, and then Shane McClanahan, like another example. So there's a number of different guys, you know, I think that could really shift the level of comfort that people have as they get into the deeper drafts. I think we already see pitchers pushing up. And one of the things I think that happens a lot is that people, yeah, Nick, Nick just, Nick said, um, I'll shut it in chat. Oh yeah. He says, I can't stay up all night, but hot dang, y'all better get to Castillo and Rodon and attack pitchers 15 and 25, and I don't disagree at all. Well, Nick always takes pitching late. So. Yeah, he waits. I mean, but it, he it, waits. Actually, it actually works this year if you start like breaking down. Like that, Basically, for me, I, I'll let you continue in a second here, but with Nick's point is 
like after you get through like the elite elite there's not a lot to me separate like there is separating points between the the chunks of pitchers but it's not as drastic as years past like where we have like you know the elite five there's like a group of 10 it's like there's this elite group and there's like this really really good group that's a big group and there's still a really good group and it's just like that really good group you could see guys taking that jump to the really really good group if you know what i mean so it's not like years past where you had to nail an elite elite guy there's a lot of moving parts where you wouldn't be shocked. We always try to find like, you know, the Robbie Ray, which guy's going late that goes to finish his top 50. There's a ton of dudes going between ADP 100, 150 or 150 to 200. You wouldn't be shocked if they're a top 75, top 50 guy next year. And that's that. That's what's interesting with pitching. But back to what you were saying about uh, your your plan of attack. No, I mean, I think that, um, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, I think there there is maybe less separating guys and so it's much more about who you who you in particular you know prefer you know and what your level of comfort with different guys is i mean one of the things that um you know is interesting if you look at last year there were 10 pitchers that had 200 or more strikeouts um the latest guy of all those pitchers going in drafts was charlie morton who i think last year was around pick like 60, 65 in ADP. So nobody drafted after an ADP of 65 last year had 200 strikeouts. And you could be like, oh, well, that's just kind of an arbitrary number. And it's definitely an arbitrary number. But um, so, you know, take it for what it's worth. But, you know, the next guys are Shane Bieber, you know, you Darvish, Shane McClanahan, Frambois Valdez, these are all guys that were going pretty early, you know, in drafts, like relatively speaking. And how many of the guys that went, you know, before them, you know, also later in drafts also struggled. So I guess I'm rambling a little bit. And all I want to say is I'm just going to go pocket aces um, this year uh, to start off with and just uh, just build from there because that's the only way to that's the only way to build a team. I guess the other way to kind of go off of what Toby was saying is, yes, there's a ton of really good pitching, but at the same time, we say there's a lot of great pitching, but there's only X amount that got 200 innings, only X amount that got 200 strikeouts. Like, And the, the difference for people that get you the 200 innings, the 200 strikeouts, yada, yada, that's elite. Like That is game-changing stuff where these other guys can be really, really good, and they get you 160 really good innings, which helps a ton. I'm not going to downplay that. But when you get these guys that give you 200 amazing innings, like that, or even 200 is good innings. The fact it's 200 good innings, it helps offset other things down the road in your in your roster. So there's a point that, yes, the pitching is super deep, and yes, I will probably fall into the, the conversation of your Castillos, your Redons. I'm even starting to like Bieber this year for things you mentioned. He returned to his ace level with innings pitched and a lot of things last year. But there's also the guys that just are beasts, just absolute beasts. Like, um, and, and I think we can all agree, and everyone said it, that – no one's gonna be surprised when Burns and Cole are first round picks when things get real serious and maybe another pitcher enters the top. Like who knows? So it'll be fun. We'll discuss this now. We always recap things closer to the start of the season, and it'll be fun to see how the ADP changes, especially at starting pitching. And that's what is fun about this. Let's the one thing in. I'll say, yeah. Bubba, it's mm-hmm. gross. I think it's. I think it's. I do not like the pitchers in the middle rounds, and I do not like the pitchers towards the back end of the drafts that's it's it's yeah. kind of i feel like every year there's a lot of guys back there where i'm like ah you know but maybe, people are too maybe. smart now yeah people are too smart now i mean 
Like think about Kevin Gaussman, you know, like everybody's like, ah, he didn't really pitch as well as we wanted, but every he's back where he was last year. He's probably going to go before he went last year because people are smart enough to see the BABIP and to see, you know, the possible regression. So it's just like the market is so good at identifying these guys. And then they just get so much helium as we get closer to drafts. And so, um, yeah, anyways, we can, we can move forward, but. Well, it's, it's a great point though. Cause like Bloomfield and, I, and myself, we'd started doing these pocket of ADPs one through 150 and we did 150 to 200 last week and he separates it hitting and pitching and from 100 to 150, there's still some pitchers. There's a few, but it's definitely much different than the top one. And it makes sense based on ADP, but it goes to what you're saying that 150 to 200 really big drop. Like there's like two pitchers. Maybe we're like, okay, we could live with that. We're both really curious to see how two to 250 looks this Thursday night. Because it's just like, like there's still other positions. There's outfielders, some hitters, and everything. It kind of plays into Toby's strategy, where the starting pitching, yeah, it looks fun. It looks like there's depth. It looks like you can wait. But if you wait, you better get like three or four in the top ten picks because you waited, and that's great, but it gets nasty. So um, yeah, good luck, as Toby said. We'll we will cover that and more. So like I said, we have one pitcher for sure, for sure in the t- in the first round, and it's kind of a a caveat he's also a utility player so it depends on how you want to draft him i put him here because i've already done a show where we left shohei otani off the top pitchers and i got a lot of messages saying that i'm like well you know i view him more as a hitter than a pitcher even though he's a Cy Young caliber pitcher that's just me so he's got an adp at 10 toby he's the number one starting pitcher technically off the board um how would you approach shohei otani on drafts because he's the guy that I never deny his talent. I think he is the unicorn. He is an MVP and a Cyan candidate almost every season. But it's just something about him that scares me, plus the fact of when do I know the right time to use him outside of a two-star week? It's it's very tough at times. So how do you, you view Shohei this year? Yeah, I mean, I think if you draft him, you, you're planning to have him as, as a hitter. He's more valuable as a hitter. Um, so, you know, and I, it's going to become a meme pretty soon. My spreadsheet, everybody's making fun of me when I, the moment I hang up, everybody's like, Oh, my spreadsheet, my spreadsheet, my spreadsheet. (laughs) People are even asking questions these days about the spreadsheet, which really isn't my spreadsheet. But, um, anyways, (laughs) um, he's, it's, it's mine. Um, yeah, he's like a $24 pitcher. Um, and he is a drum roll, please. He is a about $29 hitter, um, on the spreadsheet. Um, and so that just gives you a sense of like, overall, you're going to get more value probably, um, from him as a hitter. You know, I think the one thing that's kind of going to be key about Shohei is just figuring out how the angels use him. Are they going to use him in a similar manager, how they used him last year, where I think he only had one two-step last year. Um, You know, and so there are certain weeks, like last year I had Shohei and I had Shohei on the team that, that won. And one of the things that was nice is down the stretch when I needed pitching, you know, during weeks where he had five games, you know, I would throw him in as a starter. You know, in the one week where he had two starts, I would throw him in um, as a starter or when he had just like an absolutely elite matchup and depending on what my other, you know, position. So he adds some flexibility for a lineup that goes beyond just like kind of the util only piece where you can, you know, if you have a really good week of hitting and maybe he's got tough matchups and he's a $15 player that week and you and you feel better about the difference between that guy 
you know, and the next hitter and you can stick him in there in, in your pitching. I think that provides you with a little bit of flexibility. So I do like Shohei overall. I think you're drafting him as a hitter mostly, but I do think that there's an opportunity to kind of do your best. And sometimes it doesn't work out, but all we're trying to do is put, put our best, uh, you know, probability, uh, out there, you know, give us the highest chance based on all of the numbers we look at to get, the highest return. And sometimes that'll work. Sometimes it won't. Um, but I do think I do like Shohei a lot, you know, he's very, very good. And that's just, it's so hard for me to wrap my head around it. I think I just need to accept the fact that he's elite and I need to do it. And like Chicago, Joe, uh, Jay says he's a points league goat. Yeah. hundred percent. I've talked, like I've done, um, cut line podcasts with Curtis Jones and he's the easy one, one, like you just take Shohei, uh, best ball formats. Cause they pick when he has the best week and where to put them. Perfect. Like he's elite. He's basically two players in one. He is a unicorn in those formats. So that's an easy 1.1 for me in those formats. And these, it's a little trickier, but like you said, is I'm probably drafting them as a hitter more so than a pitcher, but I should probably wrap my head around the fact that he is a really, really good side young picture. And there's a good chance the Angels said they would start to start earning them from time to time this season, which would, like you said, change things quite a bit in that realm as well. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do respect and like Shoei quite a bit. Yeah, Probably, and, yeah, and one thing I'd say on Shohei is who led the league last year in K-minus walk rate for starting pitchers? Was it Shohei, I'm assuming? It was Shohei, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think he's – he's. it's not like there's a, a, really any question mark, at least from my perspective, like that he is an absolutely elite pitcher. The one thing I'll say, like the strand rate is really high at 83.1%. That probably comes down, but all the other num numbers are really, really nice. I mean, you could ask for a higher O swing, but – um, you know, maybe you will get it, maybe you won't. And there was a dramatic change in his um pitch mix as well. I think that um highlights that throwing the slider about 40% of the time as compared to 22% of the time the year before. So feels like he figured something out last year from a pitching perspective. And he regardless of who he was pitching against, he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, no, that's I hundred percent agree with you on that. Let's go to Corbin Burns. He's just out. Basically, he's pick 15. Let's just say he's pick 15. Uh, so he's at the end of the first round of a 15-team draft. Um, dude's awesome. You know, 200 innings last year. He had that amazing 2021 and just took it to a new level innings-wise. Still 294 ERA, third straight year, sub-3 ERA, which was outstanding. Uh, when you look at the whip department, a sub-1 whip for the second straight year. It's been 1.02 for three straight years. Another 24-plus percentage K to walk. He was... Very, very good. The strikeouts were down a bit compared to the previous two seasons, but he pitched so many more innings, worked out just fine. So he was elite. He was great. What do you have on Corbin Burns? Yeah, I mean, he was, yeah, he was great. Um, again, you know, I think he had some struggles in the second half last year a little bit, but it was really just, you know, regression coming back. You know, you can't continue to put up point three, eight home runs per nine, you know, the 1.02 seems a lot more reasonable and in line with his 0.93, but the K minus walk rate was really strong. The swinging strike rate was really strong. The O swing stayed really strong. You know, the Z contact suffered a little bit, 83.4%, not what you'd love to see necessarily, but all the numbers are really, really good. Um, you know, I think the difference between him and Cole, who would be my SP one is that, um, is the, the team context, I think, you know, number one, like, I don't think the Brewers are going to be a very good hitting team. 
And I think, you know, that he's going to struggle, um, with that a little bit. I mean, that's like really the major separating factor for me between, um, the two of those guys, but I, I think Burns is great. Yeah. He's, he's great. I have no problem with it at all. I think if you want to go there, sure. For me, I like a couple guys a little later, just if I want to get a picture early, but zero problems with Corbin Burns. And honestly, I'm with you. I have Garrett Cole ahead of Corbin Burns and it's, Garrett Cole's the third one. We'll just go straight to him. ADP is 16.2 just behind Burns. But for me, the separating part between the two is 200 innings last year. That's four 200-plus innings in his last five seasons, five in his last, what is it, seven, basically, or six, I guess. That's just uh, two, four, no, seven. Yeah, five of his last seven, which is just insane to have that kind of consistency. 181 in one of the years he doesn't, 116 because he did was a little banged up. But the dude's just been a beast on the mound. Innings, innings, innings. Ray Shields have been great. 3-5 last year with the home run ball going up. We've discussed that many times, and so has many other people. I think that's something to not worry about. And the fact is he doesn't walk a lot of guys makes those a little less uh, damaging. Still a 1.02 um, whip. Elite, elite ratios is going to get you a handful of wins on a great ball club and a ton of strikeouts. And like I said, is the biggest differentiating factor, and it could be grasping at straws, is we've seen Cole pitch these innings so many times. And it's just that that um, volume is, is tremendous. So I love Garrett Cole. I know you love Garrett Cole. Um, Ryan Bloomfield asked, does Garrett Cole still suck? I think we know <laughs> the answer to that. But uh, what's your thoughts on your number one, Garrett Cole? That could have been such a great um, meme for me. And it just, it was painful. I stopped posting it after a little while because like with Vlad Jr. and being so wrong on him, like, I mean, Garrett Cole still had a fine season, but being being like wrong on Vlad, but not having him on any of my teams so that it like destroys my soul was very different than having that meme. And then having Garrett Cole, like destroy, destroy my soul every single time he went off. Um, yeah. I mean, Garrett Cole would be my SP one. Like you mentioned, the consistency has just been, um, outstanding throughout his career. I mean, at least through his recent career, the last five years, you know, um, the whip is always low. The strikeouts are absolutely, um, fantastic. You know, um, the volume has been there. He's got 200 innings pitched in four of the last five full seasons. Um, K minus walk rate is brilliant. Strike swinging strike rate is really good. Z contact is really good. O swings really good. You mentioned the home run issues, the 1.48 home runs per nine in a season where, you know, the home run per fly ball went down. Um, generally his went up and I think, you know, that third ball, the Aaron judge asterisk ball, um, is what it is. So I like Cole a lot. You know, I think, whereas with other players, I think there are maybe things that you could point out, like with Burns, you're like, oh, well, he might not be successful because the velo dipped at the end of the year and his skills kind of went down over his last 10 games. Maybe that continues and he's not elite anymore. It's like the only thing that points towards Cole not being elite is the batted ball quality against him. And that's just too, there's too much variance in that kind of year to year where there's nothing really in his pitching that you see him like, what are you going to complain about the strikeouts? Oh, we had the most in the year, you know, like the ERA and, and the batted ball quality, I think, and the home runs are the, are the major reason why you might see him not being successful. And last year seemed like about as bad as it could get. Yeah, and I agree. I think we saw the worst, and the worst was not even that bad. So it's like, if that's the worst, I think we're, we're sitting pretty on that one. Uh, fourth starting pitcher off the board, and this has moved in draft season because 
early on, um, and this is an ADP of 27, uh, Jacob deGrom was going a little farther back in the realm of starting pitchers. He was about a – it felt like around 25 to 30. So the ADP hasn't changed a lot, just what other pitchers around him has changed. But he's the fourth starting pitcher off the board in Texas. Uh, new new team, Texas Rangers. We saw 64 innings last year, 92 the year before. It's been a while since we saw the workhorse that is Jacob deGrom. We know, I think most of us can agree, or at least pretty, they say pretty darn close, per inning basis, probably the best pitcher in baseball when he's out there. That's the thing when he's out there. And like I just kind of said, he hasn't done it in three seasons. One of them was a short in 2020. Still only through 68 pitches, like innings. So he didn't go deep then either. Um, you'd imagine he's healthy just for the fact that the Rangers gave him the deal they did, but maybe they gave him the deal they did so they could slow play him this year and have him ready for next year. I don't know. Um, it's one of those, if you believe in the health, he's amazing at this draft pick. I have trouble believing in the health, and I might just miss on this one, Toby. But what's your thoughts on Jacob deGrom? Yeah, I mean, you you know, I don't know if there's much to say here other than just pointing out that Jacob deGrom has a 20% plus. Um, <laughs> as a starting plus pitcher. What? Sorry, you, swing, you went. Swinging, swinging strike rate oh, that's in, that's uh, for three yeah. consecutive years as a starting pitcher, which is just ridiculous. Um, you know, I think the only thing to say is the volume. Like you mentioned, he's at 155 innings at, in my projections that puts him as the 11th best player uh sp number three or uh, sp number two excuse me i'm looking by adp um uh yeah so it makes him the second best starting pitcher and so that just gives you a sense of how good he is on a per innings basis and so the major question becomes okay how many innings does he need to throw at his projection in order to kind of meet um, meet that. And that would actually be a pretty fun exercise. Maybe I'll, I'll do that and figure out like where at his current aggregated projection, what, at what inning pitch threshold does DeGrom not return value? And then using that as kind of the barometer for whether you think he's going to make it or not. I think he's really intriguing. Um, especially. Yeah. I think he's, I think he's very intriguing and it'll be interesting to see what happens in spring training. I mean, he could easily be SP one if he looks really good in spring. Yeah, and there's no arguing it except like you better hope he's healthy. That's all it is. But and it's one of those like I said with Verlander last year. Uh, like we look at Degrom, he's an older pitcher than people think. So I think it's one of those. I know they gave him like a four year deal or something. So obviously they want him for a while. But some of these older guys that have done it before, and he was a 200 inning guy for a while there. Sometimes they just let them go. Like hey, they're healthy, or at least you know he ups it to like 150 to 160. And if he can do that, as silly as it sounds. That could be an amazing 160 at ADP 27. So, yeah, it's a tricky one. It's one of those, like, you know, you, you can use the, the lazy like, joke that I'll make is if you want to win an overall, this could be your dude. Like, you really could be. But, like, that's not always the, the smartest approach to things at times. But it, it does work for some if you watch it. So keep an eye on Mr. DeGrom. The fifth starting pitcher off the board is one Sandy Alcantara, and this is a fun one. I, I hope you know Nixon bet. I think already all snuggled up uh, with his, with his, uh, you know, his pitch mix changes and everything, and his new, his new pitcherlist.com uh, stuff he's releasing. But um, this is one of his guys, the Sandy Man can back to back years of two hundred plus innings. Got the Cy Young this past year, two hundred twenty eight innings. That's like stuff that Toby we saw when we grew up as kids. I don't think most people that just learned what you know the the uh, the podcast app is on their iPhone knows what 228 innings looks like, but um, it's crazy. Ratio of 2280 RA. He was elite. Um, he's had low ratios. He's an accumulator. 
And I try to say that without being rude, but he is an accumulator. If he doesn't get the innings, the numbers obviously will not look nearly the same. He needs the innings to get the strikeouts. But he'll get you a ton of wins, quality start leagues. He's elite. Um, but innings, ratios, he's great. I just – I don't know. I think I have – I like the upside of other guys I know that have the strikeout stuff in them. So it's tough for me to to draft Alcantara right now. I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, like if you look across the board for Alcantara last year, you know, slight increase in the O swing, uh, lost ground in the end zone contact rate, um, lost ground in some of the the control metrics like first pitch strike and zone percentage, which I don't focus on that much, but this is just kind of like how I'm trying to view it. His swinging strike rate was 12.1% in 2022. It was 13.3% the previous year. So he lost ground there as well. He lost ground in his K minus walk rate um, as well. But where he gained was, you know, a drop in the home run per nine to 0.63, which, you know, given how he throws in the new ball, that's certainly a potential thing that that could stick or, or stick close to that as opposed to the 0.87 that he has for his career. You know, the strand rate goes up to 78.8%. That doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, I can't really find an explanation beyond a little bit of luck. And then the BABIP was also the lowest it had been since, you know, really the, the lowest it's been in a full season for him. And the reason why I share that is just, if you were to look just at a purely skill basis, um, he was worse last year than he yep. was in 2021. Yep. And in 2021, he threw 205 innings. He had a 319 ERA a 1.07 whip and 200 strikeouts, 201 strikeouts. So that's not a bad season. Like that is a perfectly good season. Um, I just think that last year went so well in so many different ways that the reason he hit that 228 number is because he had so many clean innings or innings where guys don't score, you know, and those things just don't over the longer term tend to, um, you know, uh, continue in one direction the whole time. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was a little bit of pullback. I think he's going to beat a lot of his ERA estimators because he always does. But I think when all is said and done, you're looking at a low threes guy, you know, with a with a, a low, you know, 1.07, 1.1 whip um, and about 200 strikeouts, maybe slightly less in a little over 200 innings. And that's a really good pitcher, but it's not, it's a different pitcher than he was last year. And I think yep. you're buying him being the guy that he was last year. So well said, well, you said it much better than I, cause I did a, a couple recent little like article digs on, on some of the early draft picks from last year. And, uh, Alcantar wasn't he was like a fifth round pick or whatever, but, um, like looking back on the season, you nailed what stood out to me so much is well, a I hate buying or paying for a career season, which is what you're doing with Alcantara, and it's not a slight. Like you said, it's not a slight on him. He's a great pitcher, he really is. But it's like you know, fantasy drafting is a price game, and that's what you got to play. Is it was that kind of deal? Um, but you said is his numbers were great, and that's why when I kind of I said it differently, like the accumulator thing, he was worse kind of last year. If you look at the stats that he was the year before, he just had more innings, so it kind of uh, to me, it kind of like leveled things out a little more and made it even better. So again, nothing against the man. If he can go 220 innings again, he'll probably have a phenomenal season for you. Like there's no question that, but you know, 200 is one thing, 220, that's insane. Like that's a lot of innings compared to 200. And so it's no slight on Sandy. I know people are going to come out and say things because there's certain people that are just all about Team Sandy, and I get it. 
but it's just from a, a draft picks, a price draft price standpoint from, if you like, like Toby said, if you look at what he did on a like per inning basis or whatever, it was much different than the years before. And that should stand out to you that if something steps back a bit innings wise, then yeah, it's going to, it's going to be a little different than you're hoping for there. Who knows? And it's Miami. Like you're, you're betting on a guy on a bad baseball team. Like they're going to, Miami's pesky. They'll be maybe 500, but in the end, they're not a good baseball team. So it's going to be tricky as well when you're, when you're doing all that. All right. The sixth starting pitcher off the board, ADP around 32, just behind Sandy, Sandy 31.5. So Sandy's been dropping. DeGrom's been going up. Spencer Strider's just kind of hanging out. He's been around 30 this entire time, which is interesting because it felt like at first pitch when, when you know we all started digging into ADP and it's been kind of going since the buzz on Spencer Strider hasn't stopped. It's been going wild, but I think pit people are just kind of holding back. So I wonder, like we mentioned, Cole and Burns, those guys will kind of go in around one. Does Strider get a big bump maybe in the part around two, or does he stay? That's what I'm really curious to see is does like a more consistent veteran get the bump or does the guy like Strider get the bump? But what we saw with Strider, 131 innings was great. Started in the bullpen, went to the mound as a starter. Um, elite strikeout stuff. Phenomenal. Like Jacob DeGrom-esque is one thing I'll, the way I'll say it. Like a lot of leaderboards, they were right next to each other and stuff and everything. So the guy's great. Had that little injury towards the end of the season, into the postseason, a little concerning. But like Derek Rhodes said, you sh- he, there hasn't been anything that's shown a pitcher kind of have issues with this once they're healed, which is good to see. I just can't do it when I'm looking for innings eaters early on. I may regret it tremendously, but I don't see them going more than five or six innings with Strider. So it's just tricky for me. I don't know about you. Um, yeah, I mean, Strider is he's he was really good last year. I said that Shohei led and came on his walk. That's because Strider didn't qualify. Um, but 29.7%, 38.3% K rate. I mean, the swinging strike rate at 15.5%, you know, maybe that K rate is a little elevated uh for where it should be. Um, but you know the ERA, the whip, the walks were an issue, but he was able to keep those right around league average, slightly worse, but just with the strikeout stuff. Um, the home runs per nine was a little low. He had seven home runs that he gave up on 17 barrels. The barrel rate was low though. So I think that that's important um, to note as well. And so, um, you know, maybe he gives back a little bit there, but even at his projection where it's coming in right now, um, you know, he's still a five pick quote unquote value, you know, to rank of 28, uh, versus ADP of 33. And I think that's at that's, yeah, that's at similar innings to Jacob deGrom, you know, 155, 162, 154, 154. So again, I think he's, he's a really good player. I'm still, he's a guy that I need to see in spring training first, you know, to really be able to feel good about going in that direction. I mean, in a DC, you know, whatever, like if you're doing $150 DC or whatever, um, I think that that's, you know, perfectly reasonable, uh, pick to make, but before I really, uh, attach myself to Strider, I think I want to see, see what spring training looks like, but you know, he's really, really phenomenal. Yeah. And that's the tough part. Like I said, and you, you said it too, is there were so many leaderboards that showed up last year, bloom boards that started up right away. Strider's right there with DeGrom on so many things. And that's kind of gives you that kind of oomph. Like if he could go to 170 innings, holy crikeys. Like what he could put together out there, that's just elite. So I should probably have more of an open mind like you're talking about, like maybe wait and see. Um, 
it, it is definitely one of those like boomer busty type guys. I think he's going to be healthy, but we'll have to see. A lot of you know thinking gets you me in trouble a lot, so we'll have to kind of wait and see how that one plays out. Um, the seventh starting pitcher on the board is a guy I love because he's boring as heck. But you want to talk consistency? Brandon Woodruff is that dude for me when it comes to ADP and production, close to thirty-five ADP, just behind Josh Hader. Um, but uh, Brandon Woodruff, what I love about him, you know, one hundred and fifty-three innings last year. That was because he missed a, like a couple starts where he couldn't even feel his fingers, which was scary. And his first his couple starts before that is why his numbers look the way they are. Because after that injury, Brandon Woodruff was filthy. Like it was the Woodruff of old. Um, I know people that have heard me on this show enough probably get sick when I say it that if it wasn't for Corbin Burns, people would say Brandon Woodruff is a Cy Young contender every year in Milwaukee. But um, he's amazing. And I'm actually surprised he's going this high ADP wise. Since he came back on June 28th from that injury, he made 18 starts, went eight and one, 109 innings in those 18 starts. Not too bad. 137 Ks, 238 ERA. Sounds pretty good. Um, a 25% K to walk, which is outstanding. Uh, a less than one home run per nine. Woodruff is as cons- like when he pitches. Now the innings is fluctuates with him, but when healthy, you're going to get 170 to 180, I'd assume, with Woodruff. And they're just quality boring quality innings he's like a strikeout per nine last year was even better than a strikeout per nine brings you great ratios i love pitchers like that especially if you want to take a chance on a strider or you want to take a chance on certain guys a guy like woodruff just cements things for me i could be overexcited about him but i love the consistency he brings to the mound so i'm a big woodruff fan yeah i i agree i like woodruff a lot uh, the projections do not like uh woodruff um compared to a um you're back you're back oh i'm back i'm back sorry now you went out again you went out Uh now you're back now you're back all right all right you're going in and out out. you guys on the edge of your seat are you gonna hear what i'm I'm gonna say or are you not (laughs) um yeah i think that uh the projections don't like him very much but i think the projections are a little bit high on the ratios um which i think is bringing him down i think like you mentioned, once he got back from that injury, he really was back to himself. Um, doing the same game that we had with um, with Sandy Alcantara, you know, his O swing was uh, down one from 2021, but the in zone contact rate was actually better um, by one percent. Um, K minus walk rate was actually slightly better. Swinging strike rate was slightly better. K rate was slightly better. Um, home run total was higher, um, despite, you know, having a, uh, down year, although not anything out, out of whack at 1.06, but career it's at 0.97. So you might expect it to be a little bit, you know, lower than that. Um, the strand rate, uh, was right around the same, same place. So, you know, in all, for all intents and purposes, he was better in 2022 than he was in 2021, but he still had that same 305 ERA. He really likes the 3.05 ERA. He had that in 2020 as well. Um, so I think he's more of low three guys, threes guy. He doesn't walk a lot of folks. So I think that whip is going to be really nice. He had a really high BABIP early last year, but once he came back, that kind of settled back into its usual um, routine there. So I think Woodruff is is perfectly fine. Um, I think he's, um, he's great. He's great. He's yeah, lovable. He's- He's very lovable. He's a big cuddle bear. So I'm a fan of Woody. Um, another guy I'm a fan of, like these are my two dudes right here. 
Aaron Nola, another guy that perennially just seems like there's a lot of love for him, but then you look at ADP and stuff, and as much love as I'd expect, he's still the uh, the eighth starting pitcher off the board, ADP of about 37, so it's not bad by any means, but all the dude does is bring in low ratios outside of one bad year in 2021, and they're always like the XFIPs and stuff, or the indicators are always even better because we've watched these starts and we see the mess that is the Phillies defense every year. But 205 innings last year, that's three out of the last four years over 200. He's had over 180 in four straight seasons. You know, the K to walk has basically been 25% for three straight years. Um, just an elite pitcher that has a hiccup here and there that people like just imprint into their brain, it feels like, and forget just how good he is. Um, I have him over Woody, actually, in my rankings. They're my they're right next to each other near the top for me. But uh, I love Aaron Nola. I love Woodruff. If somehow I could leave a draft with those two guys and get hitting early, I would not complain. I know Toby would want one of his elite guys first. Don't argue that. But um, I would have zero problem leaving drafts with Woodruff and Nola and being like, I have a phenomenal floor with my starting pitching. So I love these two. Yeah. Lost you. You're out. I'm out. Now you're back. Uh, you're back now. There's something just clicking there in your in your uh, wiring. I think. Jeez. Yeah. Um. So Nola. It's, it's Toby's starting pitching show. You guys know how excited he gets. Yeah. Um. Nola, I think, is a little bit different. I, I don't. I. I think Nola is an elite guy, and I think the difference between Nola and a lot of the guys we've talked about is that Nola does throw you know, the 200 innings, three of the last four years in a full season, you know, he's hit that 200, um, strikeout mark or uh, 200 innings pitched. He's also hit 220 or more strikeouts. I think you could argue in a lot of instances that, you know, the ERA is even a little high, whether it's, you know, from, for every year, it's kind of like one thing or another low strand rate, high home runs per nine, you know, like, I mean, 2021, the ERA, was not good, but, um, that was, that was a bizarre year and all the underlying numbers are just incredible. Last three years, 25.3% K minus walk, 24.6 K minus walk, 25.5 K minus walk. We know he does it a little bit different than a lot of other starting pitchers because he gets a lot of called strikes, but, um, you know, the O swing lowest in the last three years was at 34.1 37 last year. He keeps the walk rates incredibly low. He's on a really good team um, that is going to win a lot of games and put up a lot of offense. So I also like that aspect of it. He differs a little bit with Woodruff um, there as well. So for me, I really like Nola. I think he checks all the boxes. I don't really have any doubts about um, the talent level. Um, I just think he's, I think he's really good. Yep. This is where it starts to get a little more interesting for me, like where there's some guys I can start to kind of cross off a bit. Some I'm still very high on and some of it's just nitpicking because I think they're still great pitchers. And this one's Dylan Cease, the ninth starting pitcher off the board, ADP of 38. So there's a grouping here towards the back around two early round threes, as you can see, of a lot of these starting pitchers. Um, but Dylan Cease, oh, man, 184 innings, best of his career. Well, he's going from 165 to 184, the projection, like the, the growth you want to see going to be 27 this year great uh 2-2 era 3-5 x fit i think he's more the 3-5 guy honestly than the 2-2 guy because he will walk guys like he um last year's rock walk rate was still 10.4 percent his k to walk was 19.9 that's just like it's good it's not elite by any means he leaves like his home runs dropped which is awesome but just the fact he still walks those guys holds me back a bit just because 
all it takes is a couple walks and a homer, and all it just gets ugly quick. And we've seen in the past, not last year, but those big walk games from Cease. Um, maybe it changes. Maybe I'm overthinking it. But again, at this point in the draft, I got to find every little thing I can for me to differentiate guys. And for me, Dylan Cease, great pitcher. I need him to go later for me to draft him. So what's your thoughts on Cease? Yeah, I'm really struggling with Cease as well. I, I had him everywhere last year. He was kind of the guy that I wanted. And that worked out super well, you know. Um, I was very excited about all of that. But when I look at, like, all the different ways that the 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 year could go sideways for him, you know, comparatively, I'm not as sold. I know there's a lot of smart people who like him a lot. I remember after yeah. our first podcast when I was throwing cold water on him, I got some tweets thanking me for dropping his his draft price a little bit. Um, I think the question is what what does he regress to? You know, last year was a pretty unique year. What did he do? He got he how many was, straight was games was it where he had zero? Oh, yeah. Where like he had was one or fewer. I felt like it was like 15, 16 games at least. I, I'm just off the top of my yeah. head. It was a lot One, of games. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen games. Yeah where he um yeah 14 games in a row with either one or zero um earned runs for him um which i think is quite an accomplishment especially when you consider the fact that um here's a guy who had like you mentioned a higher than well higher than league average by over almost three percent for a starter at 10.4 percent you know, he had a very low Babbitt at 260, which you could say, okay, he's a, more of a fly ball pitcher. So that's the reason. Uh, I don't know. Career low, 8.4% home run per fly ball rate. That despite not having an infield fly ball rate, that was one of his higher um, levels. You know, the skills are still super good. I mean, swinging strike rate at 15%, O swing at 35.5%, but just throwing it in the zone was something that he really um, struggled with a lot. He had a career low BABIP at 260, had a career high strand rate at 82.3%. And so again, like it doesn't mean he's going to be bad, but I just think that there's the real possibility that, you know, what you got to think about is, yeah, he could regress to his true talent level or similar like last year where he was playing above his head or above his metrics. You know, he plays worse than that. And so what exactly does that look like? And I'm just not sure with the other pitchers that are going in this area, I just have a really hard time um, going with cease here over some of the other guys. Um, I just think that there's a lot more. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just have such a hard time seeing it, Bubba. I really want to see it. I'm with you. It was 100%. So helpful for me last year, but yeah. I just, we also, but look at where his draft price was last year. I know it's a, it's a cop out, but it's like where we're at now, like there weren't the same talented pitchers that are around him now than, than last year, if that makes sense. And so it's kind of one of those things. And I'm 100% like everything you said is kind of in my brain. I'm saying like, he's so good in this regard. But then there's this that really scares you. And there's other pitchers around him that are so much like like consistently, at least that you can see as being potentially better. And at the same time, if Cease just somehow lowers the walk rate, like he could take that next step type thing. It's, a, it's frustrating. I'm 100% with you on this one. And it's one of those that... You know, there's always a bunch of draft picks we get right and wrong. This is one I could easily see me getting wrong so easily. I could also see me getting it really right. Yeah. Like it's, it's because there's, I think, I think we talk about a lot of these elite pitchers where the floors are so great, and that's why I like them and you like some of them. 
where Cease has just such a wide array of like finishing points compared to some of these early guys. So check this out. Over his last 15 games, Dylan Cease had a 217 BABIP against. And he had an 89.1% strand rate. That's just so difficult to like. Sustain. I mean, it would be interesting if you were to say like, okay, he gets a 75% strand rate in those games. Like what is, yeah. what's his ERA at the end of the season? It's a great but point. everything else was, was heading in the wrong direction. Z contact was up to 82.7%. Mm-hmm. Swinging strike rate down to 13.8%. You know, so it's just like, I see the wrong movement in the second half of the season for him. And I just, I just, I can't see it. I can't see yep. picking him here over some of the guys that we have left on the table. Yeah, let's talk about one of those guys we got left on the table right here, Mr. Carlos Rodon, the new New York Yankee. And, uh, you know, he's got an ADP of 42 picks after Dylan Cease. Back-to-back seasons with a sub-3 ERA. And the, uh, the, the um, for, for like the XFIPs and everything, they pretty much support outstanding stuff is what it is. Um, innings wise jumped up to 178 this past year with the Giants, which is outstanding. 14 W's, even on a bad baseball team, is outstanding. But that Cater walk back to back seasons, Toby, of 26.1, 27.9 strikeout rates of about 34%. Uh, whips 1.03.96. You're like your roto stats are great. Toby will have the much deeper, knowledgeable stats here that we could all talk about. But one thing that stands out a ton with, with Rodon, and I've always said I'm willing to be wrong on guys, I was wrong on them last year. Because when the White Sox didn't offer him a qualifying offer, I thought he was broken still. Nope, he was fine. Giants got it done. Um, and he goes to Yankee Stadium where left-handed pitchers can do well because the righties don't get the short porch. I guess it's a great thing. And he limits the home runs to begin with. So the more and more I look into Carlos Rodon, the more and more I'm buying into them, which makes me feel like I'm in trouble because I didn't buy him last year. So what else is going to happen? He's going to have a horrible season if I fight. I buy into him now. <laughs> so it's a, that's just like the law of, of how this works. But – I like him a lot, and I would take him over Dylan Cease. That's the kind of the problem we have right here. So what about you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's also another, like, I would take him over Dylan Cease too. I mean, I see no way that Dylan Cease, you know, outside of the injury concerns, which are incredibly valid. You know, yep. I'm not saying any taking anything away from that. If that's the we, the reason you go in a different direction, I think that's totally fine. But here's a guy, like, we know why he's better. I mean, his velocity is up. Um Let's see. It was up two and a half miles per hour from 20 to 21. And he can he stayed there from 21 to 22. So he's at 95 is six from the left side. He's on the Yankees. He's going to be on a really good team. They're going to score a lot of runs. It is a little bit of a home run park, like you mentioned, but I don't think it impacts him as much. And it's also runs wise. It plays as a more of a pitcher's park than a hitter's park. So I think that, you know, or at least, at least middle of the road, Right. And so I think that's really nice. It's not going to be, you know, where Rodon was pitching before, but again, he's going to have a better offense. Um, uh, and I think he's really good. And the projections agree. I mean, the projections absolutely love Rodon. You know, I think the major question is just the health piece. Um, you know, he's one of the top pitchers. I think he's pitcher SP three based on the projections. Um, every projection system loves him, but again, it's the question mark over the, over the innings and, you know, and, and for sure, like that's a major issue. And and the projections have him at 181, 181, 182, 171. So they're right about last year. And that was the the most innings that he's ever thrown. So it could be optimistic, but, you know, there's, there's always guys, you know, it's like Zach Wheeler, right? Zach Wheeler was an injury prone pitcher who couldn't throw innings either until he wasn't. 
you know, and it's not like it's something that happens, like it doesn't just happen overnight, but it's like our perceptions maybe are a little bit slower to change. Um, and so another good, good, good thing to look at for, for Rodon would be, okay, like if he were, how many innings would he have to throw to connect at that projection? If he's at 140 instead of one, you know, 78 or 180, like the projections have him, is he still worth the pick? And then if that's the case, is that a number that you're willing to bet at? And then recognizing that there's upside, you know, as well there. So, um, yeah. So again, all to say, um, I think Rodon's really interesting here comes with the risk, but the talent level, I, I think there's no doubt, you know, as long as he comes in and he's throwing that velocity, I think he's an outstanding pitcher. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I've, I've done a 180 on him completely. And I don't see that changing, and it's going to be funny or fun for me to see where I push him to if I really want him, because I do believe in the overall talent there. Like you said, if he can get above like 180 or something, like that could be insane what he could bring to the table there. All right, the 11th starting pitcher off the board, one Shane Omax, Shane McClanahan, ADP of 43. Um, I'm going to keep this short and sweet, and I know a lot of people hate me for this. I am not drafting Shane McClanahan this year. My, I have him ranked like 20-something. So I won't be able to. People will draft him ahead of me. I am terrified of that of that shoulder arm situation. I could be way overthinking it, um, but things were definitely not the same late in the season. And if anything, I'd have to see a lot more in spring training. Like you said, with Strider, I cannot draft Shane McClanahan right now. And again, I could be 100% wrong here, but I think more people did not agree with me because if people believed he was the great pitcher he was last year, he wouldn't be getting drafted right here either. So um, I, I am out on Shane. I'm just going to keep it simple. People might hate me, but so be it. What's your thoughts on Shane McClanahan? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll keep it short and sweet too. I think for the same reasons, I'm not really interested. I'm not sure if I could see anything in spring training either that would convince me necessarily. I mean, maybe if the velo is back to where it was previously. It would take a lot for me, a lot. But yeah, it's just, um, it just, just doesn't seem worth it uh, right here. Uh, I will say that the projections, although again, like, and this is one of the questions that um, a listener has later on is like with the projections, you just look at the projections and like choose the guy that's the highest. And I think one of the things you got to just look at is the inputs, right? And so the projections have like 168, 172, 184, 184, you know? So you got to think, is that where I think Shanahan's uh, McClanahan's going to be or Shanahan, whatever, um, uh, thinking football still, um, is that where he's going to be? Um, is that where you think he's going to be? Or is he going to be lower than that? You know, and those are the types of questions that you have to ask yourself. I will also say that I don't trust the projections as much with pitchers, um, largely because I think there are things that we can see as analysts that happen earlier, um, than the pro projections are able to pick up. Um, so that's one thing that I would say, you know, the projections do like him, but I think the innings pitched are a little high. And I think there's just too many risks for me um, to feel good about grabbing him here. And I think also one of the reasons for that is because of the next two guys as well yeah. that are coming 100%. up. 100% on that. And one of the next guys here is Max Scherzer, the uh, 12th starting pitcher off the board, ADP of about 46. And yes, Max has battled back problems, 145 innings last year. Prior to that, the 179, 172, bunch of 200 pluses. Um, it's been an issue, there's no doubt. But even in the 145, 229 ERA, 323 XFIB, uh, perennially puts up a tw almost 25 plus, if not better. K to walk, which is what we're looking for. Uh, limits the damage, keeps the ball in the ballpark last year way better than he has in 
basically his whole career since 2014, which was great to see. Uh, the ratios are always like the ERA and the whip are always some of the best in baseball. Gets you a ton of strikeouts. It's just a matter of will the back hold up. And last year it still got you decent amount of innings. You wanted more, but now you're not paying that elite price. You're paying a good price, but not an elite price. And for some amazing reason, he sneaks back into 160 to 170. Yahtzee. So uh, I'm intrigued with Scherzer. I'll say that much. I'm very intrigued with Max Scherzer. What about you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you mentioned the ratios. Here are his ERA numbers since 2015. 279, 296, 251, 253, 292, 374, 246, 229. And by the way, the 374 was in 67 innings in the shortened season um, and came along with a 355 BABIP and a 1.34 home runs per nine, which is higher than uh, both numbers at any point in his career. So really uh, just a small sample fluke for Scherzer there. I mean, when he pitches, he's still absolutely incredible. Um, last year, 14.8% swinging strike, 37.8% um, O swing. The end zone contact was really nice, although elevated from where it is at his career, still 81.8%. You know, 26.4% came out his walk rate. All the numbers are are incredibly good. Um, he's playing on a really good team and a really good ballpark for pitchers. So again, I think it's a question mark of how many innings does he pitch? You know, uh, last year, 145, year before that, 179, you know, 2019, 172, but then you look at the projections, they have him at 191, 191, 167, and 181. And so, you know, again, I think those are a little high. So again, it's at what innings pitch level does he break even? And are you willing to take a gamble on that while also thinking about, um, you know, what the possibility on the upside is if he does manage to stay healthy? You know, I will say that both the ERA, um, the ERA at 338, 3-3-2, you know, again, baking in some risk because of injuries and other things, but, you know, it's been a long time since he's been there. And if the ball stays at what it is, it's hard to see him as an extreme five ball pitcher um, really getting hurt there. So, um, yeah, I think, I think Scherzer is a really interesting gamble there too. But again, like, you know, and, and, you know, we're talking about all these guys, right? McClanahan, uh, Scherzer, uh, Rodon. One of those guys is not going to make it. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, and those are the it's gonna be a crash those and burn. Are, those are what we're what we're focusing. You're like what we're thinking about. So, yeah. well, that's why it's fun. I, I've done a fun exercise for fantasy pros. I wrote five articles recapping each of the first five rounds in a 12 team league of, of the final ADPs last year. So, like one through 12. Like I like just looking at how each pick finished basically. And it's, I'd have to go back and look again, but just like top of my head, it felt like it was like 50 50 that the pitchers were worth the, the squeeze, basically. It was, it was an interesting like roller coaster ride of how things played out in, in rounds. So, like you're saying, it basically to support what you're saying is at least one of them ain't going to make it. So, uh, and that's the, that's the beauty and the beast, I guess, of uh, fantasy baseball is you can do all the research you want, but if a guy gets hurt, which is out of your control, is what it is, I guess. Just how the cookie crumbles. Um, the 13th starting pitcher off the board. Another guy that, you know, could be in the same boat here. Uh, ADP of 47.5. Just won the AL Cy Young. No big deal. 175 innings, a sub-2 ERA, um, which is ridiculous. The ratios, as usual, for Mr. Justin Verna. It's his fourth straight season with a sub-1 whip, which is insane. Strikeouts have always been there. They were down a bit this past year, actually. I think the velocity was down a bit as well. Home runs were down. Like 
He pitched really, really well, especially for 175 innings, usually much more, but coming off TJ, pretty impressive at the same time. Now he goes to the New York to pitch with Max Scherzer. I love Verlander again. I'll buy right back in. As long as this workhorse is pitching, I'm in, especially at an ADP like this. Yeah, he's really interesting. I mean, he's like smoke and mirrors. Like, yeah. I mean, the O swing's fantastic, but end zone contact rate, you know, 85%. So worse than league average. Um, his swinging strike rates at 11.6, pretty middling, you know, but he still manages to strike out 27.8% of guys, 23.4% K minus walk rate. Um, let me just check that CSW. Yeah. The CSW is low at 26.5%. Like there's nothing like I, I just, I have a, I struggle with Verlander cause I just have trouble seeing how it's sustainable. Um, that being said, like he's going to be in New York, a cavernous ballpark, one of the better pitcher ballparks, you know, so his fly ball tendencies will play really well there. They'll play well with the ball. So long as, as it stays, you know, the ball that he has, he has, super low uh whips because he doesn't he never walks guys anymore i mean like 1.56 1.70 1.5 1.49 you know for walks per nine the last little bit so he's pitching without guys on base so often you know um the babip is super low but it's super low consistently because of those fly balls um and normally i think it's the infield yeah the infield five ball rates are are really high like 19.7 percent this year um you know, so I think a lot went his way last year, which is why he had the 1.75 ERA, but there's still a lot of room there for him to have a very successful season, um, throwing, uh, throwing less, you know, um, or, or, or getting less luck in that department. So, you know, I can definitely see it with Verlander. Um, yeah, but I, I have a little bit more of a struggle because as I mentioned before, like I like to be able to see it. I like to be able to know, why a guy has been really successful. And I think it's a little tricky to figure that out for Verlander with some of the numbers last year, but he's done it so consistently. It's like, at some point you got to start believing. Yeah. That's kind of how I got lucky last year. I was like, yeah, there was concerns, but I figured if he's getting signed to pitch, no one's going to tell him he can't pitch like a certain amount of innings. But if he's healthy, he's pitching. I got lucky. I'm not going to say it works every time by any means, but it's just kind of a feel thing there. I'll keep riding that wave as long as he's on the mound. It'll backfire eventually. It will. But uh, at an ADP like this, I'll, I'll take my chances with uh, Mr. Verlander. The 14th starting pitcher off the board, one Zach Wheeler coming in with an ADP of 55. Now it's getting fun. We're talking back into round four here. Got a late start to the year because of some injuries, but still 153 very, very good innings. 282 ERA, third straight season with a sub three ERA. Um, the whip was just fine again for the back-to-back seasons. Strikeout rate was good with the K to walks. Um, you know, there were some reports that the VLO was down towards the end of last year, but then postseason, he's back up to pump in 97 after like taking one start off. Uh, and part of the reason he got a late start to the year was kind of a shoulder fatigue, like weird shoulder thing that I would I didn't pick him. I was worried about him and he picked just fine. I like him at this ADP. Um, the fact he pitched well in the postseason with that VLO got my attention. Maybe there's still some concerns that you might have here, but I'm in on Zach Wheeler at this ADP. Yeah, I think Wheeler, you know, is a guy that I'm really interested in as well, so long as what we see in spring training, like with the velocity. I think that would be a a real good gauge for me about whether I'm going to be in or not. Because like you mentioned, you know, the results are just really, they're really good. Like the ERA is really um, low. The whip 
um, is has been really low because he doesn't walk guys. Um, he doesn't give up home runs really, right? Like 0 0.38, 0 0.68, 0 0.76 the last little bit. You know, he only has one year with more than one home run per nine. And that was back in 2019. It was 1.01, .01, you know, and that was like the ju the height of the juiced ball. So you're looking at a guy with higher than 20% K minus walk rates, you know, really good O swing helps with the walks. The end zone contact is fine, like right around the average, but he's never really been a dominant K guy. So it's much more about, you know, theoretically the volume that he can provide those ratios. Um, and you know, the strikeouts, the strikeouts will come and they'll be there. And again, he's on a really good team. Again, that should give him a lot of offensive support. And while it may seem like kind of ridiculous to keep mentioning that, like, I do think it's really important. Like wins are part of the game and, um, it's much better to be on a good team. It's fine. It's hard to find guys that aren't on good teams, um, that put up really nice win totals. You know, I think Garrett Cole is number one in wins over the last three years or something like that. And he's only averaging 14 a year. And those wins, my God, they make a huge difference. Like you look at um, the SGP this year, like I was doing the main event, you know, like um, a standing gains point for win is 1.9. So like two wins, you know, moves you up. Um, and that's, you know, it's just, yeah, yeah he's a it's, beast. Uh, it's significant. Yeah. Last one on the list here for this week, the 15th starting pitcher off the board is one Shane Bieber. ADP at 55.3 just behind Zach Wheeler going about the same. What the Beebs did was impressive to me. Um, after 96 innings in 2021 when he battled injuries, 200 innings pitched, 31 starts, most starts since 2019, most innings since 2019 where he threw 214 and had Cy Young stuff, 288 ERA with a 298 XFIP, outstanding. Now the strikeouts were down quite a bit from years past, like big time. Still, the K to walk was great. He didn't walk anybody. His walks were down a ton as well, which was great to see. Love to see the strikeouts come up a bit, but you know ratios have always been pretty solid with him. He got the innings. It was a healthy jump, which is not always the most comforting thing in the world. But you know he is going to be 28 this year. He has that workhorse stuff, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, and at this ADP, I am very, very intrigued to Shane Bieber, where in years past, I was never really in on him earlier in drafts. At this point, I am quite curious. If he can even get you 180 innings, that could be – because I think the strikeouts come back a bit. Could be wrong. He relied on a lot of called strikes in the past, which I don't know if he got them this last year. I didn't look at that. I, I guess I could. I had the page up, but I'm pretty sure you'll get to that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of Biebs this year mainly for the price, but uh, it was a very healthy jump in innings pitch, which does concern me a bit. So what are your, what are your thoughts on Bieber? Yeah. Um, I like Bieber as well. Um, I think that, yeah, the strikeouts are a little bit of the question mark for me. Um, still like the last year, you know, the end zone contact rate, I'm just looking over his last 10, you know, 88%. The key is the O swing is, is really high. Him attacking the zone. He got that walk rate down to 2.7%. So in some respects, like it looks a little bit like Nola with less of the strikeout stuff, you know, where he's got that elite control back, you know, 13.6% swinging strike rate, which is no joke. You know, the velo has continued to trend down, um, I believe, um, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, let me just check really quick. Um, yeah, the velo is down, although it increased towards the end of last year. Um, over his last 10 games, it was right around 92, but you'll remember he was like the elite dominant Shane Bieber when he was closer to 94. 
So, you know, the velocity means a lot for, um, for Bieber, but that being said, as you mentioned, like where he's going, the volume that he provides the upside, we know he potentially has, if that velo can come back a little bit, but I think overall, like anytime he has pitched, he has been, you know, a successful pitcher. Um, and so, you know, I think he can, I think he can be, um, really good. And so I think it's just, um, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to monitor what his velo is at during spring training. hundred percent on that. So yeah, it's, it's what's fun about this top 15. There's a lot of guys in the past we've seen as top, you know, five, even pitchers, if not top 10 guys, uh, a lot of moving pieces here where you can see a lot of, uh, differing results. Um, I'm gonna make an executive decision. We'll do the late round targets next week on part two. We'll do that. We got a handful of listener questions. So let's do those real quick. Cause we're getting late into the evening here and bang these out real quick. So we will get to those next week for you lovely listeners, but we'll start with our buddy, Ben Ted. He has a spreadsheet question for Toby. As you said, Toby, it's all about the, your spreadsheet. They love it. Um, do you ever move players manually after you enter your projections and weights, or do you just draft straight off the calculated SGP numbers, dollar values? There must be some times where they say someone is a value, but you still disagree, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with pitchers, you know, essentially what I'm doing like process wise this year, which is a little bit different. So I never manually change anything. I never manually change anything. Like I know all the players. I know how I generally feel about them. I know how the projections feel about them with hitters. I feel pretty good about the projection. There are some where I'm like, I like this guy. There was this change or there was that change, or I don't know where I'm getting this projection from. Is it a plate appearance thing? I'll kind of check in and look at the inputs and see whether I disagree or not. But essentially like the way I'm doing it this year is going through. And if I agree generally with it, then, you know, I'm sticking with the projection. Um, And then if, if it's a guy where I kind of like them and the projections don't, or the projections really like them and I don't really, then I'm doing more investigation where I'm like, let me figure out like who might be right, who might be wrong in this instance. And if there's a situation where the projection aligns with my feelings you know, that a guy's not that good, then I'm, I'm not going to draft that guy probably unless of course, you know, something, something, uh, ridiculous happens. Um, so that's kind of how I am, I am approaching it, um, this year, but I never manually change anything. Like my job is not to change the projections. My job is to use the projections as one of a few inputs, but by far the heaviest to figure out kind of where I want to go and then use my own brain to kind of figure out but I don't want to change them. Like I know like this guy's going here. I just added a new column to mine. That's like the round that players are going in. Cause I have a really difficult time translating. Like people are like, Oh, that's a round nine guy. And in my head, I'm like 15 times nine equals, you know, and it just takes too long. So I have the round there and I'm just kind of highlighting the guys that I like in green, the guys that I'm going to investigate a little bit more in yellow. And the guys that aren't, you know, mentioned there are probably guys that I, I won't be getting. Um, and so that just helps me in thinking through like where there are groups of players that I like and decision points to be made and, you know, things like that. So that's kind of how I use projections. I use them a lot less with. And Toby is gone. He lost his camera, not just his mic this time. That's impressive. He's in, he's out. We've lost Toby again. Technology, fun stuff, folks. Um, so yes, he's, it was another great projection conversation from Toby G just like he had last, the end of last week's episode, which is really, really cool. So we've lost Toby. Hopefully he'll be back shortly to get back with us here, but a couple of listener questions for you real quick. As we keep moving along here, uh, Brent chaser from, um, 
Baseball HQ asked, which starting pitchers do you like between ADP 200 and 300? Brant, I will save your question for next week because we were going to discuss actual targets at 200 or 300 tonight. We're going to move that to next week's pod, so your question will be answered, I promise you, on the next episode. So keep that in mind. Uh, Toby's back, but he's still not having camera. I can hear you, so you're good there. Let's um, just go. Let's just go. Okay, I don't, cool. I don't we'll roll with it. I went to the next question. I said, Brant Chesser asked, which starting pitcher between 200 and 380 P. I told him, we'll get that next week. It's on next week's agenda. So he's good there. Got a handful for you here. Steve Brunn, thoughts on Pedro Severino over under 150 innings pitched? And this is one Severino's a pitcher we'll talk about next week. And he's a guy that I've had a heck of a time trying to figure out because when it comes to Luis Severino, we know the talent's really, really good. We saw 191, 193 innings in 17 and 18, tons of injuries in 19 and 21, 102 innings last year. Eileen, he gets real close to 150. I, I, it's hard for me to say one way or the other. How do you view Severino? Yeah, I think we, I think we took a, I think we looked at Severino like a number of episodes back. You're probably right. I, yeah. Yeah. I think I'd see him more as like a mid threes guy. You know, the BABIP was way low. The stram rate was way high last year. You know, I think, um, you know, the O swing was, you know, there's, there's nothing that really jumps out in his profile, honestly, like about him being particularly good. Like it's all very solid. Um, and that was even with a VLO bump last year up to 96, three, the projections, my, my spreadsheet does not like him. Um, that could change, you know, I think I'd want to monitor him in spring training, but I think that, um, just with like the innings being kind of middling and there not being any like super good stuff, I'm a little hesitant to, to jump in on that. So I I'm, it's questionable, but he's, he's close enough. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's the conundrum uh, with, with Severino. I, I don't mind it, though. I think he's pretty darn close, especially at the ADP, and we will talk deeper about him next week. Uh, Liam at Freed Mines asks, do you guys buy into the Strider hype? Cheers. I think we both agree he's awesome. It's just a matter of how healthy is he. Yeah. That's pretty. Um, I agree. Yeah, totally. So we'll see um, where that one goes for sure. Bubba, can I just say one thing to Ben's question, Ben Tiff's yes, question sorry. that I was going to, that I was going to say there. No, I just remembered it when I was thinking about Severino is like, so the dollar value separation between like uh, a pitcher at a, uh, that's ranked 156th overall, not as a pitcher, but like ranked 156th overall. And then a guy who's at like, you know, close to 200 of ADP is like $2, you know? And so you're talking about pretty small, you know, differences that can make up a $2 value difference between guys. So I think when guys are that close, you want to be thinking also about like your, how you're constructing your roster. So maybe there's a guy that's, you know, you're, you feel better about ratios early on, but your K's are a little low. You went with Woodruff and, you know, um, Bieber as your top two. Well, then you you may want to go after the guy who's K's with the ERA and whip a little bit more of a question mark, you know? So I think, you know, you never want to just go by what the spreadsheet puts out because it can't factor in that, or it could, if you're really smart, but I'm not that smart. So sorry to digress you're, you're back very, there. You're, you're very smart. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. Um, my buddy Dirework, man bear Hawk on Twitter asks, 
who will win me a fantasy baseball league and why is it Justin Steele? A, I'm going to say he's a Cubs fan, just for anybody that knows. I love Justin Steele. I've had, I was in a Discord today that uh, there was a lot of negativities toward Justin Steele because he's a two pitch pitcher, which I'm sorry. I think we love Spencer Strider. I'm not comparing the two. Just going to say that real quick. But I don't, I, the, the two pitch thing, I think, is starting to get a little uh, people pick and choose where they want the two pitches now, which uh, doesn't seem like a system that works for me. But um, I'll say with Steele, the biggest thing for Justin Steele that I like is the improvements we saw as the season went on. I know there were some velo issues towards the end of the season. That's why he got shut down. But ADP at 271 for a guy that we saw throw 119 innings, most he's thrown in a long, like in his career. Um, if you look at even, uh, that was all in the bigs too, no minor leagues last year. I think there's a lot to like, a lot to like with Justin Steele. So at that ADP, with the upside, maybe he makes it to 140 to 150 innings. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, I don't know about you, Toby, but uh, it's a dude I like a lot. Yeah, um, I like him as well. Um, okay, good. It makes me feel better because, yeah, I got I was getting buried in a chat today. So I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I would just say, like, uh, Justin Steele, if you look at his last 10 games, 10-game um, sample, um, you know, the Z contact isn't great, but 86, six on the way down, um, his O swing was at 31, one, the swing strike rate at 11.5%. And then I think most importantly, if you look at his K minus walk, like it's nothing outrageous, but 28.8% strikeout rate and a 9.3%, um, walk rate. So a little bit elevated there, but that gives you about a 19, um, percent, K minus walk rate, um, which will definitely play. Um, and then if you look at even broader at his like last five games, you know, 83.6 Z contact, 35.5% strikeout rate, 7.3% walk rate, swinging strike rate at 14.6 and his O swing right around 35% as well. And let's see if that corresponded with a, um, Corresponded with a little bit of a velo bump, but then more importantly, let's see his drop that is there's no, no major pitch mix there change there. Three, six, six, uh, was that 92? So he threw something 8% of the time. Anyways. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you can see where it goes wrong, like with the, with the walk and all that jazz, but I think he showed enough where he's going that there's a lot of, potential there and that's why a lot of people are like him yep 100 agree with you on that and last question we have here is from our buddy s mms 79 in an oc how could you not start 1.1 acuna or jram cole whoever you want for 3.1 so basically going acuna jram one he's saying cole <laughs> with your second pick whoever you want for 3.1 and not believe you can win a league Just this question. Um, yeah, because there's a lot of factors, but I get what he's saying. 20, there's 27 I get more picks to go. I guess what he's saying. <laughs> but yeah, um, I get what he's saying. Like that's, that's yeah, an amazing yeah, start. Yeah, it makes it's you an feel amazing start. Yeah, you but, know when um, we uh, us Liverpool fans this year, we're just kind of you know we're looking for a solid foundation like that. That's all we're hoping for. Yeah, it's not too bad if you can somehow get Cole at pick 24. You are on the right track. The right track. Let's put it that way. 
All right, Toby, it's going to wrap us up for our starting pitching preview part one. We got 15 pitchers in. We'll do 15 more next week, get some deeper targets, listener questions, and more. Any final thoughts? I thought that was good. There's a lot of, I knew this would take longer because, like I said at the beginning, this pool of pitching this year, it's very, very talented. And there's definitely angles where you can say, okay, this guy should go higher. But there's also angles like where certain guys are like, no, nah, I don't know. There's some questions there. There's a lot of really interesting pitchers where it's not as separated, like, easily separated as it has been in years past. So I knew it would take longer. Uh, any final thoughts on these top 15? Um, no. You should probably draft <laughs> pocket aces. Yeah, it's it, it, there's a lot to be said about it because of the murkiness of the very good pitchers, but there's still murkiness. Like you said, there's a handful won't make it to the end of the season. And uh, no pocket aces might not either. That's always a given. But um, yeah, same same thoughts as you said before. All right, we'll wrap it up there. Make sure you guys follow Toby on the Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. I'm at BD Entrick. We'll be back with you guys next week with part two. But this was your starting pitching preview, part one for the 2023 fantasy baseball season. Catch you all later. Look at that. That's going to wrap us up for episode 241 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast. In addition, number 145 above in the Batflip, our first part of our starting pitcher preview. Um, thank you so much for the great questions um, on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball drafts. Take care and be kind to one another.